This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we're going to be focusing on verses 6 through to 8 of Seneca's 28th letter on travel as a cure for discontent. And so you'll be remembering that uh, from the past couple of episodes that we've been basically going through the first few verses where he's giving us this argument that uh, really travel is not the going it's not going to be the thing that uh, ultimately cures the illness of your soul. Uh, right? So we can always, you know, we can get into this habit of looking outside of ourselves in order to find the solutions to uh, problems that are really existing within us. Uh, and so Seneca is suggesting that perhaps we need to look within. We need to actually go within ourselves and do the important work of philosophy of of curing our souls uh, before we can get any real uh, uh, pure joy or or sustaining joy out of uh, traveling or out of any sort of external experience, you might say. And so in these verses that we're reading today, uh, following on in this letter, uh, Seneca is actually almost turning that argument around just to show us that he's he's not being so hard-nosed in his argument, right? And that he does see the other perspective as well, which is, you know, he goes on to talk about the Forum, which uh, is a place in Rome where, uh, well, you know, there's a great list on, on uh, history.com of the kind of functions that took place in the Forum. Uh, things such as elections, public speeches, uh, criminal trials, gladiator matches, social gatherings, business dealings, uh, public meetings. So this is this is a place for the public to congregate, to come together and to uh, get involved in all of the things that Seneca would often talk about in terms of the mob, right? Uh, and so he goes on to talk about how, you know, even though, even though it is the soul that we need to uh, cure you know, of, of its ailments in order to see something different, to experience something different in the world around us, uh, not the other way around. Uh, even though that is the case, still there are some places that you might prefer to not spend too much time because of their effect on the soul, because they do leave an imprint. You know, we, we've already heard from Seneca in, in, or read from Seneca in previous uh, letters where he's talked about how, you know, every time you go out in public, you kind of bring something back with you. You get some stain on your soul from the way that other people act and the way that the world kind of manifests itself around you when you're out in these large gatherings, right? And so there are some other insights that we can uh, take away from these verses that we're going to read today. But what I'll do is I'll read them and then we'll see what we can kind of get from them. So Seneca says the following, quote, Can there be any spot so full of confusion as the forum? Yet you can live quietly even there, if necessary. Of course, if one were allowed to make one's own arrangements, I should flee far from the very site and neighbourhood of the Forum. For just as pestilential places assail even the strongest constitution, so there are some places which are also unwholesome for a healthy mind which is not yet quite sound, though recovering from its ailment." I disagree with those who strike out in the midst of the billows and, welcoming a stormy existence, wrestle daily in hardihood of soul with life's problems. The wise man will endure all that, 
but will not choose it. He will prefer to be at peace rather than at war. It helps little to have cast out your own faults if you must quarrel with those of others. Says one, there are thirty tyrants surrounding Socrates, and yet they could not break his spirit. But what does it matter how many masters a man has? Slavery has no plural, and he who has scorned it is free. No matter amid how large a mob of overlords he stands. End quote. Okay, so there you have it. Seneca is giving us a different perspective to his argument here, showing us that first, look, even in a place as busy as the forum, you know, even as a, in a place as crazy as the forum, you can still find that inner peace, that quiet inner place like that. But nonetheless, he makes this very important point, which uh, kind of, I think, is the crucial point of his argument here. He says, I disagree with those who strike out into the midst of the billows and, welcoming a stormy existence, wrestle daily in hardihood of soul with life's problems. And this is the really important part. The wise man will endure all that, but will not choose it. So to Seneca, his version of the sage, his idea of the ideal human being, right, is somebody who doesn't necessarily go out there seeking the hardship, right? Doesn't go out there wanting to put themselves up against uh, these kinds of places, but will nonetheless endure them very well if they are in those circumstances. And this actually kind of takes me, uh, takes my mind back to a few episodes ago where I was kind of talking about Seneca's opinion of Cato. Because Seneca, it seems to me at least, even though he really admired uh, Cato, he really admired Cato for his commitment to his principles, you know, for his ability to stand up to tyranny and to to die honorably, meaning uh, death was not the thing that he was afraid of, right? The thing that he was afraid of was losing his honor, right? And so, so that mean, meant that he would stand up for his principles, right? Even if it meant that he was going to be uh, killed as a result of that. And that, I mean, that's essentially what ended up happening. Right, so Seneca really admired him for his strength and his courage and his 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 resolve. Right, but nonetheless, it is my opinion uh, through Seneca's writings that uh, that really Seneca had this opinion that perhaps he was a little bit too gung ho uh, with his uh, approach to standing up to tyranny. Perhaps he shouldn't have sought. Uh, to 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 put his soul in that situation, but nonetheless uh, should have preferred peace, uh, but to to kind of maneuver in the background, which is essentially what I think Seneca did with his life. And hopefully you can start to see the kind of flow of arguments that Seneca is making here and how they all fit into each other uh, in this letter. You know, starting with, of course, this idea that, you know, if you're going around the world traveling in, an, in order to uh, cure yourself, right? It's like, uh, you know, maybe the traveling is not going to be the thing that cures you. Uh, there needs to be a change from within. Uh, and then he talks about how, you know, if you will change yourself within, then you will actually get more out of your experience of travel. You'll actually see more and experience more, uh, because you will be able to have that true inner joy within you, that light that shines from within, that reflects in the outer world, right? Uh, but then also he's saying, but also, uh, uh, you know, even though you can still find uh, uh, peace in the soul amidst uh, a kind of crazy external circumstances or busy or loud external circumstances, uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't some places that you would prefer to not be. Uh, and so there might be some places where it is obviously going to 
to be bad for your soul. And I believe he, he makes this argument elsewhere in his letters as well, though I can't remember it now. And so I guess summing up, you could say that what he's trying to get across to us is that we shouldn't go looking for trouble. He's saying, you know, it's it's enough of a task to cure the soul of its ailments. You don't have to though then go and look for places that are going to heap more on top of you. All right? And I think that that's a reasonable uh, suggestion to make. And I wanted to uh, comment on a couple more things that he writes here, because he says, uh, says one, there were 30 tyrants surrounding Socrates, and yet not one could break his spirit. But what does it matter how many masters a man has? Slavery has no plural, and he who has scorned it is free. No matter amid how large a mob or overlords, sorry, of overlords he stands. So I want to pick this apart because in a way what Seneca is doing in, in, in this uh, sentence here is he's pulling us back in. He's pulling us back within ourselves and saying, you know, ultimately it's going to be up to you is, is, is my interpretation, right? Because uh, this idea that he's giving us uh, about Socrates and the many, uh, many masters around him, uh, it really plays into a lot of the Stoic idea of uh, learning how to die, dying honorably, you know, being being able to uh, uh, stick to your principles and to not be a slave, right? Uh, because, you know, Seneca, sorry, Socrates was really a, a hero to, uh, to, to Seneca. Socrates was somebody who came along and showed us that you do not have to be a slave, that you do not have to fear death, that you can die an honorable death, right, by choosing to stick to your principles in life rather than being tyrannized, rather than being forced into some other way of being. And so Seneca is kind of making a really interesting argument here, right? Which is, well, I'd like to rephrase it in a way that might uh, help us to better understand it. So a lot of the way that the ancient Stoics saw this idea of slavery was, uh, let's put it like this, if you can't go a day without coffee, then you are a slave to coffee. You know, if you can't go a long time without pornography, you are a slave to pornography. If somebody at work is asking you to do something that you know violates your better principles and you choose to do it because you're afraid of the consequences of uh, what might happen if you stick up for your principles honorably, right? And then you're a slave to that person. And so Seneca has noted in the past that everybody is a slave to some Thing, right? Uh, so, you know, when Seneca is talking about slavery, uh, look, we, we, we've got so much baggage in our minds uh, based on, you know, modern conceptions of slavery that, uh, that obviously we're going to think about that first. But in order to understand Seneca's arguments, we really need to think in that kind of way, right? Because what he's saying about Socrates is that Socrates, right, he was not a slave because he chose to stick to his principles, even in face of death, which ended up happening, right? Uh, and, and so that means that by definition, he was not a slave. He stuck to his principles. Uh, and now when Seneca makes this argument that, you know, uh, slavery has no plural, you know, essentially you cannot be more or less a slave. You, you are a slave, right? You are in slavery, right? Um, or enslaved. Uh, and so he's saying that if, if, if Socrates has one tyrant who's trying to get him to do something against his better principles, uh, or if he has a hundred, uh, that's not going to change how much of a slave Socrates is if he chooses to go against his better principles. 
And so if you've been listening to this show for a while now, you'll know that Seneca's, uh, really his ultimate goal is the freedom of the soul, the liberation of the soul, right? Focusing on the goods of the soul and, and not being swayed by, uh, by these things that will enslave us, right? That will, will only take us down to lower things. And so uh, he kind of goes on to say that, uh, but what does it matter how many masters a man has? Slavery has no plural, and he who has scorned it is free no matter amid how large a mob of overlords he stands. So he's he's essentially saying that really you can pull this all back to you. You can really pull it in and say, I will not be a slave. I am going to choose to liberate my soul so that the external world uh, and, and the, the, the tyrants that I will find out there will not touch my soul. They will not uh, stain my soul with anything unclean. And so you might be thinking, well, how does this relate to this idea of traveling abroad? And to, to my best interpretation, I mean, it, it, it fits in perfectly. Stop looking to the world outside of you. You know, stop thinking that that is the thing that is most important in terms of the freedom, the liberation of your soul, the the cure, the curing of the ailments that you find within your own soul. Look within, right? It, you have within yourself this incredible power to turn your life around, to live based on principles, to live a life of honor, to live a life that is pure. And I just think that this is such a crucial message for a time like the one that we live in now, where there's so much finger pointing going on. There's, you know, it's it seems like the whole world has gone into a frenzy where everybody it just immediately begins with the assumption that if there's a problem, then it has nothing to do with them and everything to do with the world around them and the people around them, right? But you start to ask yourself, who's going on this internal adventure? You know, who's actually accepting the call that philosophers like Socrates and philosophers like Seneca offer us, which is, you know, will you accept this mission to, to clean your own soul? Or as Jordan Peterson might say, to clean your own room, right? Start there, start small, start putting the pieces together, start curing yourself so that, so that you can experience something different in the world. Because the outer world, is is not going to change for you. It's going to go on keeping doing all the things that it always does, right? People are not going to change for you. They're going to keep on being who they are and doing what they do. But you have the ability, the 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 power within your grasp to change your life, to change yourself, right? And that is, there's not a better adventure that you could go on in life to actually clean yourself up, to, to, to make yourself a, a more honorable, a, a more wise, a more virtuous person, right? And not in an unhealthy way, not in a tyrannical way. We always need to remember Epictetus's wise words of self-scrutiny and self-kindness are the things that go together to help aid your transformation, right? So we need to remember that. But nonetheless, we still go on the adventure. We still decide that I am going to take this, this idea of philosophy, the love of wisdom, very seriously. I'm going to see what it can do for me and my soul. And, and I will trust that as I change my internal world, uh, the world around me will certainly uh, appear a more hospitable place, as Seneca has suggested. And so anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I think that's enough uh, food for thought for the day, but there is just going to be one more episode on this letter and then we'll move on to the next. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it's given you a lot to think about and I'll talk to you next time.